Welcome, travelers. I'm Josh. I'm Glenn. And I'm Lee Wanika. And this is Tabletop Journeys, where we will be your humble guides on the quest to RPG adventures. Here's a message from friends of the show. Hello, this is Mike Daniel, host of 19 Hits the Dragon, the bi-weekly podcast where I interview creators from the tabletop RPG community and get answers to the long-awaited questions like, um, how are you so talented? Where do you get all of your ideas and how can I do that for myself? Please? Deal with situations like, or have you ever seen a giant earthworm? Those things are terrifying. Cover hot takes. Know the rules, but know that they can be broken. And especially if it just makes it way cooler and more fun, break them! And of course, highest level of professionalism here on 19 Hits the Dragon, as always. So just search 19 Hits the Dragon on your podcast platform of choice, and then go out and tell 19 of your closest friends. And we'll see y'all there. Bye-bye! everybody to tonight's episode man is it good to be back we have been on a little bit of a recording hiatus and it is really nice to go to be behind the microphone again with uh, mr Lee smiling faces mr. glenn i know right boy so much to smile about uh, congratulations on the house sale there glenn thank you nice thank to see you on the road here this is uh, i know you guys have been looking forward to this for a long time greetings from virginia that. beach and our brand new rv that we just bought last wednesday Fabulous. Congratulations on the brand new baby. The brand new baby. Oh, I know. Yeah. Three and a half weeks old right now. In fact, boy, and she's just, I am sure that I am biased. I am sure that every parent says this, but in my case, it's true. Cutest baby ever. It, she really is. She's, she's to, to, totally biased on that uh, nonetheless. But Mr. Miller, how about you, sir? How are you doing this evening? Nice to see you. I am doing very well. I have, I am sitting in a brand new chair purchased with my Christmas money that my family got me. So I'm now sitting in comfort and I have a brand new headset and microphone set up. So hopefully uh, we looking. will have a lot less of my, my sound <laughs> issues that we've been plagued with for the yeah. last six months since my last rig broke down. I'm jazzed to be back with you guys and recording less jazzed about the topic that we have to yeah. hit today. It's a breaking news kind of a podcast tonight. Yeah, we don't, we don't jazz, do a but ton. Fired up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. I am. Yeah. Somebody wants to catch these hands and I don't mean jazz ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I totally agree with you on that because really when I thought about, so we knew we had, we were going to take this little recording break because of everything that was going on in our lives and blah, 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 blah. And man, I really thought that we would be coming out of this break. Dragonlance or the new campaign book that's coming out soon or a million new third-party products. I picked up the new Call of Cthulhu starter set, which is amazing. A whole bunch of I, the new Blade Runner game, which is amazing. Like all this stuff, all these things I was hoping that we would be sitting here coming out of our break talking about. And instead, we are 
doing our part to weigh in on the discussion and trying to filter through some of wheat and the chaff of what's going on with the OGL controversy that is currently like running rampant through the Dungeons and Dragons creator community and trying to go ahead and piece together what is actually happening, why does it matter, and why does it matter to a company like ours, that kind of thing. We're going to be taking some time tonight to go ahead and be talking through this and weighing in on our position on, on everything that's going on here. Luanika, let's we're going to start with you tonight because we want to give a brief overview on kind of what is the OGL that we're going to be talking about. For people out there that aren't familiar with what the OGL, the OGL is, I know a lot of players may not be as up on what the OGL and the systems resource document and all that stuff are. So give us kind of the brief primer on on where are we right now and what's going on? Yeah, first of all, I'm going to say officially and speak for all three of us, no one here at Tabletop Journeys is a lawyer, practicing or otherwise. No one here is an IP properties type of attorney either. We don't do that as our jobs in real life either. So we are not birds in this field. But we are, however, content creators. We have been gaming, as anybody who's listened to the channel for a while knows, we have been gaming collectively for darn near 100 years at this point combined. So we have a lot of experience with multiple game systems, multiple rule systems, and games involved. So the OGL, as it was originally done, I believe it was originally called OGL 1.0 and then 1.0A are the terms that are used. And I'm going to be very basic about this because I don't want to get tied up in the minutia, but I want to give this overview so anybody who's not familiar has the basics to understand the conversation. And then we're going to have links in the show notes and likely links on our page for other resources where you can get more detailed information. There's a lot of information out there. We're going to try to steer you definitely towards sources that are more fact-based, less hype-based than others, but definitely try to make sure we have the right resources around for you. And we're going to try to sift through, as Josh said, the wheat and the chaff. OGL was effectively a contract that was set up under the auspices of Wizards of the Coast after Hasbro bought it. So what we're talking about was started by the company, Wizards of the Coast, under the ownership of Hasbro. So Hasbro has always known about this. And this was back in 2003 when this came to pass during the 3.0 years and 3.5 years where basically they created a contract with an open gaming contract, open gaming license, where anybody can go ahead and utilize the basics of the game, a scaled back version of the game to create their own content. And that can be done for free. That can be done for use in self-publications or other publications. The idea being the more people creating content for a game that wizards can't create enough content for builds the core of the game, builds the fan base for the game. And the original framer is on record. He's done a number of interviews, posted some open letters where he has stated his goal was that D&D, specifically this open gaming license, be open and free for everyone forever. It was never to be revoked. It was never to be altered. That was his goal. He, however was not in charge at Watsi. He, however, was not in charge at Hasbro. And we are now starting to find out there was some language written into that original OGL that is being called into question that might take away those clauses about its irrevocable mess. 
irrevocability. Yeah, yeah. Irre- uh, irrevocability. I don't know. To, I've to read kind of that put a, part, and it was pretty clear that it says that these rights are granted in perpetuity. It just didn't say irrevocably. That's the only right, difference exactly. between this yeah. wording and the new wording is it said in perpetuity, but not irrevocably. And Hasbro apparently decided that means they can revoke it. Yeah. yeah. Or, Updating the OGL, they can revoke the terms of the previous one. Yeah, exactly. Specifically, that clause said it's one thing. And then a separate clause said this OGL can be replaced by any update. It can't be taken away, but it can be. Updated. It did say that's, they could update it. That's the secret language that was written in a different clause, not near the uh, first clause that we spoke about. I don't know which one came first in the document, but but that's the way it was legally written so that they could, if they chose, do something different. By the way, this did happen. At the end of 3.5, when they developed 4th edition, they did make a whole new open gaming license, which nobody liked. Whatever the terms were, and I don't even know what they were. They didn't not even getting call into it an OGL. It was called an SGL. Yeah, but – It was a correct. standard gaming license as correct. opposed to an open gaming license for 4.5. But with that standard gaming license, the terms were not accepted by the community. And nobody created for 4th edition or very few people did. More importantly, 4th edition – even though it lasted quite a few years, did not get the fan support and the content, third-party content creator support that 3.5 enjoyed. It actually created Paizo as a company. Actually, they were probably around before, but it developed Paizo as a company who became a big competitor for Wizards of the Coast. In fact, I believe, if I if my information is accurate, that they even outsold Wizards of the Coast for at least a year or two somewhere in that mix during the fourth edition time period. They were, Pathfinder were selling more than fourth ed. And, I, and that is because nobody liked the terms. At the time, the folks at Hasbro, the folks at Wizards, did not believe they could or would be able to revoke the OGL so they did not try to stop anybody from creating third party. They didn't think they could. When they then came out with fifth edition, they then backed and supported the third party community and it helped grow the game. It really overtook Paizo to the point where Paizo then created a second edition of their own game. They have since very recently started creating fifth edition ports for their game because of the popularity of fifth edition the strength of the trpg community through fifth edition and the power and the creative genius collectively of the third-party content creators of which i'm very proud to be a very small fraction of at this point exactly the fact is that's what grew this game that's what made it the most popular thing in the world so much so what recovered dnd to the point that it's actually become popular with the youths again and that open gaming license is responsible for the fact that it didn't just end in the 2000s no absolutely matt mercer critical role for all the critters in the world they started with pathfinder They left Pathfinder for 5th edition because they could continue to create and do wonderful things for their story. Now here we are today, actually December 21st when the leak happened. There's been better confirmation. I think officially nothing has been released from WotC. They've actually been ridiculously silent. They have not even made a post on D&D Beyond since December 21st. They are radio silence and have been since then. So we're going on two, almost three weeks now with nothing official from their company since this has erupted. Yeah, the, the closest thing – sorry, not to go ahead and cut you off, Lunika, but the closest thing in a in terms of confirmation was on the D&D Beyond Twitter feed earlier today. And it is 
It, I have worked in corporations for a really long time. Listen to this tweet and you tell me where you think this came from. We know you have some questions about the OGL and we'll be sharing more soon. Thank you for your patience. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, anyway, well, carry on. Yeah. Uh, officially, yeah. that was they got called out by eight channels. I listened to just this afternoon for not saying anything. So they put that out so that nobody could say they didn't say anything. Yeah. Well done. Tip of the hat to you. Corporate leadership at Wizards of the Coast. <laughs> exactly. I do want to take a quick break to just mention that a lot of this is going to be very uh, accusatory and complaining about Wizards of the Coast and Hasbro, and I want to make this very clear for the audience, is that I am talking about the corporate entities, not the content creators. The people who have, who have spent the last five to ten years developing the game I love are not the people responsible for these decisions. I don't ever want anything I'm saying to be taken as an indictment of them. The content creators are doing the best they can under the circumstances they're given, Obviously, it's their job. They feed their families with this stuff. They got to follow what their boss is saying for the time that they're there. That point made where we are today. They have new terms, and I'm going to let Josh and Glenn take over on the new terms. As yeah, far sure. as I did the history lesson, let's get into current. <laughs> let's get into current yeah. events. So I, I think that there's a lot in what in the leaked version of 1.1, and we're not going to go through the entirety of the license because that would take up the rest of our show time here tonight. I think that my reading of it, there are several kind of key points that I have pulled out of it about where I feel the license fails us as a company and fails the community of content creators as a whole. And so the first one that I want to start with is the intention of OGL 1.1 to explicitly rescind 1.0 with virtually zero turnaround time with it like within 30 days from the point that OGL the, the draft that's been leaked within 30 days of when the OGL is gets released OGL 1.1 gets released content creators have 30 days to sign on or stop create or stop producing stop publishing that is obscenely fast for a license that has already been in place for over 20 years, given some of the other terms that are in it. So that's kind of, and also I think on some level that it is calling the bluff of the big companies who have the resources to press them legally on it about whether or not they are actually even allowed to rescind the license to rescind 1.0 or not. I think that they are, I think that they are on some level calling the bluff of the big shops in town to go ahead and say, we're going to say that we can rescind it. If you don't think we can, we'll we, see you in court. Yeah, we double you know, dog dare you. Yeah, you know, because right. here's here is the thing at the end of the day is that unfortunately, again, Lunik, you talked about how a lot of the legal experts have weighed in. Wizards of the Coast called this an open gaming license, but much like Federal Express is not actually a government agency, it's not actually an open game license. It never was open. It was called the open game license, but it wasn't truly open because it skipped out on that one keyword that it was irrevocable. That's the concept that separates it from between the two. And the fact that they're now trying to invalidate it, that's kind of the first thing that stood out for me is that they're now invalidating previous terms with virtually no turnaround. Right. We're forced to either accept it or not. So that's right. kind of the first and thing I want to go ahead and lay out there. When they could have just written a new OGL for 6th edition or 1D&D, if that's where they wanted to make the changes, yep. instead of basically taking companies like Pathfinder, who have been in business forever, and saying, you know, you have to pay us exactly what this says, 25% of your revenue, not your profits, 
or pack up and go home, period. I think we're already starting to see the fallout of that decision. It is early stages in this battle, but already two really big players in the field have come out and said, you know what? We're taking our ball and we're going home. Both Cobalt and MCDM have both said, we are putting out our own systems. We're done with this. That's going to be very interesting to go ahead and see how this shakes out because now you have three big publishing houses in the D&D style games that are going to have separate rule systems. It's going to be like a Betamax VHS situation. Which one's going to wind up winning out? I think this is where I just want to cut in. This is actually breaking news because one of them was within the last hour I heard about a Twitch report. So that major company, MCDM, I'm he- we are getting reports of that on their Twitch channel, they made their statement. They have had on Twitter their pinned post that they they believe their current Kickstarters, their current work is going to be fine, but they are they were evaluating and they would keep us posted as new information becomes available. So that's late breaking news. Earlier today, reports became public that Cobalt Press, who said the same thing, their current Kickstarters are fine. Their current works are fine. They are not changing any of the plans that they have already announced at all. They believe they are fine. Now, whether that means they're going to court over it or what they intend, how they intend to manage that, I couldn't tell you. But they are saying everything that they are doing to that has been announced is fine. However, they have officially announced the start of a project to build a whole new fantasy core game system, codename Black Flag. And they have posted it to their website. You can sign up for updates. You can tweet. And they are supporting what we're going to get into is the hashtag open D&D. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. But they are supporting that and putting their own – they've planted their flag. They are saying that they don't agree with this. And they have stated in that same posting that their core system will have an open gaming license that will be content creator friendly. I paraphrase oh, a good. little bit there. Maybe but, we'll write for um, them one day. That they are they are actually saying that. I have not heard the specific wording on MCDMs. I can only assume that it's going to be similar in that regard. We have interviewed people from that organization before, and uh, that is much more of a content creator run organization than these other corporate entities. Um, unless I hear differently, I have no Nothing but respect for those folks and can't think of them doing something other than an actual open gaming license. It just wouldn't make sense to me based on the people I've met and talked to. Yeah. And I think that it's really clear to go ahead and point out that as a corporate decision, this corporate decision has one and one goal only, and that is to eliminate eliminate competition. People that are out there saying that, oh, if Wizards of the Coast is going with OGL 1.1 and we don't want to support that, we'll just go to Pathfinder instead. And I'm not sure, Luanika, you put out a poll about this on Twitter about, hey, if you're not going to be playing D&D anymore, what non-OGL game system are you going to go to? And the number one response was Pathfinder. So it's OGL. I'm not sure that yeah, yeah, I'm not sure that most people realize that Pathfinder is an OGL system. They based it off of third edition because they could. They had permission from Watsi. What's scarier about that, and I did that poll for a reason because here at Tabletop Journeys, we're going to follow up some polls on Twitter and on our Facebook pages. We encourage everybody to partake so we can get a nice idea of what our specific niche of this community is looking forward to. But it was not only the number one response with Pathfinder 2, but several of the top 10 responses were all OGL games. Your average player 
and many of those listening to this podcast may not be average players, but what we're hoping is for those of you that are storytellers or DMs or GMs at your tables, the players at your table will hear these words. This is affecting the community in a way that many players may not immediately feel or understand, but they will feel it as the hobby goes over the next few years based on the quality and the amount of products that are available and the and what games those products are available for. If you've ever been in a situation where you like the adventure module, but you wanted more, you had to turn to a third-party content creator to get more than the adventure mod. Strahd is an amazing game, but it is other games, other modules that put twists on the Strahd game or build out other communities. We've interviewed several people who've done them, just even recently aired, Lamordia and so on and mm-hmm. so forth. Those third-party contents are what build out the game. The framework is by Watsi. The decorations are by the third-party content creators, and those decorations are going away under the new terms. Watsi puts yeah, out some decorations really kind of on their own too, but you'll be limited just to theirs, and that's it. You won't be getting the extras from the people who are coming up with the stories that go with it and the different ways to break it down. That really feeds us into the second point that I wanted to go ahead and talk about about in the OGL here, and that is the actual conditions in the license and why they are so unfriendly to third-party creators like us, like Kobold, like MCDM. Not that I'm dating to put ourselves in that category, but we're all third-party creators at the end of the day. First of all, it is there is a, a very unfriendly, it's not even profit sharing, it's a revenue sharing agreement that when you reach a certain dollar amount, and it is significant, but it can be edited at any point, you have to pay wizards 25% of your revenue, not your profit, but your revenue for use of, for publishing something under the OGL. So that's thing one. There are increased reporting requirements, and that's something that we're watching very, very carefully as we put the finishing time on our most recent product is that if we publish our book after OGL 1.1 comes out, there are pretty arduous reporting requirements that require you to delineate in any third-party product which pieces are taken from the systems resource document and which pieces are not. So it's a very... It's, it's a tougher challenge than it sounds like on face value. Trust, trust me when I tell you that, because I've started looking into how difficult it would be even for a project that's our size, and it, it's difficult to do. The, and you have to report that. You have to report that you're putting out a, a product to Wizards of the Coast. You have to let them know how it's being distributed, what you're, charge, what you're planning on charge for it. So you lose some flexibility because you constantly have to go ahead and report back and say, hey, I'm about to go ahead and do a thing. So clearly there's a lot of like monitoring and everything like that that they're looking to go ahead and do. A lot of that data is going to be used to go ahead and determine whether that revenue threshold is appropriate to where they want it to go ahead and be so they can monetize better. And then finally, the last thing is that not only are they rescinding the current open gaming license in favor of the new one, the path to rescind a license that is extended to a single work is much easier. The barrier is much lower for them to go ahead and rescind that. And they are explicit in the OGL 1.1 that anything that is published using that license is not owned by the people that put it out. It is owned by Wizards of the Coast. So there is a pretty clear possibility where they can rescind the license on a book and then use that book, as use their content in that book to publish their own thing. Quick language clarification, just because that section specifically says, first, its very first sentence is that you own the work that you create. <clears throat> so they say you own it. But then they immediately go on to say that Watsi also owns rights to it unconditionally and without royalty 
and that they can just basically they can suspend your license at any point and continue to use it without paying you a dime. Right. First, they say it's so, yours, and, but if and, they do it, that and it's yours, you may still own it, and you may still be like, "Hey, this is mine," but you're no longer allowed to publish it. So that's really kind of you're not a publisher to make money off of it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, and more, and what's more insidious than that, because they can take that work publish it themselves without the requirement of putting your name on it, you don't even get the industry clout for having written it. You could write a bestseller, have it taken from you, and your name is never on that work again. And you don't have the right because once they rescind your license, you can never publish it again. You can't even – it's effectively a gag order on your own property. I'm not confident right. based on the um, language that, that's a, that they can not credit you for, that they don't have to credit you for it. Because they're saying you still own your own intellectual property, but they have the rights to use it too. I believe that means that they would have to credit you for it, but they don't have to pay you a thing. I, so they put your name in the book, but they, yeah. Or put your name there in the book that you wrote. They multi- could take your whole book and put it out under their own name and just put, hey, these guys worked up. I can't, I am not an IP lawyer, so I can't confirm, but that has been cited by multiple links and conversations from many channels. It's like one of many of the things, all the points that Josh has mentioned, these are all points that are on pretty much every channel that's discussing this issue. And that specific point has been made on every single one of them that I've ta- that I've reviewed, which is that they don't have to list your name. That's very consistently mentioned on almost everyone, including the ones that have actually had IP lawyers discuss the issue. So I'm pretty confident that's actually the way it's being discussed. Whether or not they can legally get away with that, a lawsuit has to be finished before we can find out about it. But I believe that is what they are intending to do. Yep. Allegedly. There is one of the resources that we're going to include in the show notes is, first of all, there's a website called Open D&D, or there's a movement called Open D&D, um, uh, and Open games has a bunch of resources on there. We're going to be referencing a bunch of things in there. One of the articles that's in there is an article written on Medium.com from a from the Twitter user, my, my lawyer friend, who is a licensed attorney who focuses on business. And the clarification on this very question is that you will own, and a quote directly from him here, you will own your own content and works and can distribute them to certain places itch, whatever. However, Watsi will receive a perpetual irrevocable right to use your works and to allow others to use your works without additional payment. This would allow Watsi to publish these works in places you would not be allowed to. Gaming stores. D&D, D&D Beyond. Beyond. The number one marketplace now for Wizards of the Post content. So in places where you would not be allowed to and to allow others to do the same. So they can sell your, they can sell the rights that they own to other people, critical role, to go ahead and publish content. But they owe you no further money. So you may get acknowledgement, but for as much as they will pay you in exposure dollars. That's, but yeah, so that, that, that is, it's kind of a murky, murky web that's being wove there that they, they own the rights and sure you own the content, but they own the rights to the content. So it, it's like a musician that doesn't own their own catalog, right? Yeah. Sure. They're Billy Joel, but nobody, but Billy Joel doesn't own his own songs kind of thing. So and, which and is a bad example, clear, Billy Joel does, but that's and to, yeah. actually Billy Joel bought his eventually. To be clear, when we're talking about it intent, the original OGL effectively could do that. It just didn't, they didn't spell it out, right? So the fact that they're choosing to spell it out, the intention of deliberately spelling it out, because in the original OGL, by writing something under the OGL, you acknowledge that your work then became part of the OGL in terms of other people building off or expanding off of. So from that perspective, Watsi could have used what you had done. In theory, they would pay you. They have with people in the past. 
But to specifically spell out in that section, in that clause, in those exact terms that they're claiming the rights, that they don't have to pay you a dime and they can do whatever they want with it, and that they can revoke your license to, to use the product anymore, that That's speaks a lot. Yeah. That speaks a lot to the intent behind the document. Because if they didn't have any intention of yep. using something like that, there would be no need for it to be spelled out. The other big thing I think that kind of comes out from the release or from the leaked version of 1.1 is whether or not 1.1 is even going to be enforceable. There are numerous legal questions coming up that emerge from this document. And this is one that I've dove into a lot over the last few days in particular, trying to go ahead and get my head around what it is that's actually even being talked about and what it is that is actually being argued on this level. Here is the shortest synopsis that I can give on this point. So bear with me here. It's, it is a, it's a little tough to go ahead and wrap your head around, I think. So Wizards has every right to go ahead and say, we are releasing an open gaming license called OGL 1.1 that you have to go ahead and use anytime you use any Wizards core mechanics as spelled out in the systems resource document that has to be published under this license. You, third-party content creator, have no choice. The question is whether or not that statement is true. And it is a big statement that is up for debate right now. So here's the problem, though, is that Wizards and Hasbro, as big a company with lots of lawyers, can easily file a cease and desist to small company like us if we do if we put out a book that uses Dungeons Dragons core mechanics and says and and say, nope, you can't publish that anymore. Sorry, Tabletop Journeys, you're out. And there's really nothing that we can do about that. If they file that cease and desist, we do not have the resources to go ahead and challenge it. The bigger kind of question that emerges from that, though, is whether or not... No, so not only can Wizard of the Coast say, we now have 1.1, it updates 1.0, it updates 1.1.0 in all these unfavorable ways, and you got to eat it. Hey there, travelers. Do you want early access to all of our episodes? How about exclusive content, live broadcasts, and the chance to throw dice with your favorite hosts and fellow fans? You can do all that by signing up for our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash ttjourneys. But wait, there's more. For the next month, you can get a free coffee mug for signing up at the Adventurer level, plus Adventurer level Patreons automatically get complimentary copies of our latest book, The Traveler's Guide to the Multiverse, available on DMs Guild. We love doing this show for y'all, and your support helps us keep creating and producing great content for you. We have tiers to fit any budget for a monthly commitment, so join us today at www.patreon.com slash ttjourneys. There's also the question about whether or not the open gaming license that was released 20 years ago was actually ever even necessary or binding. Everybody and their cousin who has put out third-party content in the last 20 years has acknowledged that the OGL is there and has published under the OGL voluntarily for fear that they didn't have any other options. But if you actually look at what is in the systems resource document, and trust me, we have been look we have been pouring over the systems resource document a lot over the last couple of weeks in response to our own project, just to go ahead and make sure that we're in line with it. But there's really nothing that is, I don't want to say nothing, because I again, not an IP lawyer. But there's not a lot in the systems resource document that is actually actionably copyrightable. You can't copyright game mechanics. Wizards of Coast can say all that they want, that they own D20-based tabletop role-playing game mechanics. They, They can make that statement. And it's not true. They don't. When you start talking about... 
about other things that are built on that kind of core mechanic. Luminika, you and I were talking the other day, like when you start talking about like the concept of advantage and disadvantage, is that copyrightable? Because that's getting into a specific interpretation of that dice mechanic. If you start talking about attack rolls, are attack rolls as a concept copyrightable? Certainly, if you look through the creatures that are in the OGL, or in the system resource document, rather, if you look at the creatures that are in the SRD, they certainly do not own the name goblin or orc or shark or wolf or minotaur. Guard. Do they own ep- yeah, guard, veteran, soldier, noble? Right. Priest. So there's, right, paladin. Even if you look at their class names, they do not own the word paladin. So by saying, by publishers going out on an OGL and saying, Wizards, we acknowledge your footprint here. We are going to go ahead and acknowledge it by by including your OGL in our process. Therefore, you have rights, we have rights, everything is great. And now OGL 1.1 comes out where those rights are unfavorable. There's a lot of people wondering, why are we even doing this? How necessary actually is this? And it's a really interesting question that is going to take years to litigate. Years. This is going to take forever to litigate. I would go so far as to say, and as another example, when you start talking about strength, dexterity, charisma, those are terms. They're not copyrightable. Now, can you form now is the format putting strength, dexterity, constitution in order down the left side of the page? Is that copyrightable? Possibly. The character sheet's probably copyrightable as as an art. As an art document, yeah. So there are some configuration issues that might come up. I am sure that if – I am sure that if Hasbro and Wizards of the Coast thought they owned the term armor class, they would have stopped a bunch of non-OGL games. Yeah. But they haven't. Armor class, hit points, health, cure spells. Healing. There's so many different that exist things in other that, games too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that that exactly. that exactly. Maybe, that that they probably don't. The question is, does the little person, and by that, does the small company, does the small business entity, does the independent proprietor have the wherewithal to face a company that made billions with a B last year alone? The answer is no. The small companies don't. That's why it's very important to, that, to watch these developments, to pay attention to what's going on with hashtag open D&D, because the decisions of MCDM, Cobalt Press, Paizo has not had an official statement other than they're, they're looking into it. What companies like Delta Green does, what Evil Hat Productions does from here, which is currently operating a brand new game, Everyday Heroes. I've spoken about it on the show a lot. That's technically OGL. What these larger entities are going to do, Monty Cook Games, Numen- the Numenera system, what these larger companies that have been utilizing the OGL, whether they've had to or not, are going to be, we need to watch them because where they go, where that litigation goes is going to be a bellwether for what happens for those of us who don't have those kinds of resources. Yep. Totally. I mean, all we can really do is hope that those big companies, so, is any one of them alone would struggle to stand against it on their own, but hopefully they will band together and help each other support yeah. the lawyers for the legal battle. Yeah. I wonder if there's going to be some sort of a class action lawsuit on this too. If I those, don't know. And that is those, pure speculation. Yeah. So if one other piece. Put, if, if, 
continue go i'm sorry I was going to say, there is one other piece about the specifics of it that I wanted to bring up and make sure that everybody out there understand, yeah, understood, especially from a fan standpoint in terms of the content that could be affected. Because we've mentioned that a lot of this applies directly to the people creating the content, like Tabletop Journeys, when we're trying to write a book. But some of the language that's been added to it specifies that the updated license is only for creation of role-playing games and supplements in printed media and static electronic file formats. It does not allow for anything else, including but not limited yep. to things like videos, virtual tabletops or VTTs, computer games, novels, apps, graphic actual novels, plays. music, songs, dances, and pantomimes. Now that's going to hit your actual plays. That's going to hit your YouTube cha YouTube channels that you like to watch. All of these, all of the non-core pieces of this game that are run by somebody besides Watsy, where somebody creative has gone on and they've set it all up to give you the giant, whether it's through sites like RPG Academy or whether it's through your favorite show that you listen to as soon as it comes out critters i'm talking to you or any of the other ap listeners out there or heck even if you were a giant fan of the puppet version that came out for a hot second a little while ago that was a little controversial with the sahugan who sexually assaulted people <laughs> to attack them stuff of legends is that what it was <laughs> yeah yeah all of those things could be affected this is saying that you can't do any of that without specifically following yeah. this new OGL. a separate agreement Signing up for a separate agreement. Yeah. yeah it's it's Which, crippling. It, yeah. Yeah. I would go so far as to say just before air, like within the 15 minutes before air, I queued up four other YouTube channels, including the Dungeon Dudes and a few others that have posted within the last hour or so, a couple of hours, because to get their takes, because the Dungeon Dudes have not spoken on this until today. They Their episode just released. So I'll be listening to this and probably posting about it on Twitter with what I find out and sharing that, because I like the Dungeon Dudes. They're a great show. I know the Brian and William over at the Dungeon Cast, they have briefly mentioned it and said they will probably talk on it later, but their podcast is recorded well in advance, so they're, they're they're challenging. They've got a big Kickstarter that's in the lurch as well, like so many others. So there's a lot of information that's coming that we're going to find out what's going on, but this is going to alter the content you're able to consume. If there's something yeah. you like and it's not official Watsy, there's a cha chance that it's going to drastically alter based on the decisions yeah. that are made over the next couple of days by Hasbro. Yeah, and just to clarify one thing real quick on that point. So there, there is another document that we haven't really talked about because it doesn't really factor into the OGL, but the fan content agreement that Watsi extends that allows shows like ours to exist and our actual plays to go ahead and exist. One thing that we didn't really talk about because the change was very subtle and we didn't quite catch it when it happened, but at some point over the last year, the fan content agreement changed to reflect similar language to what we're seeing in the OGL. Things like the, their ability to rescind people's ability to go ahead and publish. You talked about Stuff of Legends. If they didn't think that Stuff of Legends represented what represented Dungeons and Dragons, they could rescind their agreement to make content. Things well, like and, I was going to say, and with the open fan, with the fan content license or with the OGL non-commercial that they're pointing out, it has to be 100% free and not right. monetized. And a lot of these great shows out there and companies, the reason that they're great is because they've built a business around it. 
that document does exist that covers actual plays, but what it blocks is like, we can't make an actual play based on Dungeons and Dragons a Patreon exclusive. It has to be free and it has to be explicitly unofficial. We've already mentioned it a little bit here and the whole open D&D movement, hashtag open D&D, talking about what the creator and player community is looking for from wizards. We'll include the link in the show notes. It's opendnd.games and it has a ton of information on what's going on here and what it is that they're looking for and everything like that. There is a letter that you can sign in support of the open D&D movement and that would be akin to a petition sent to Wizards of the Coast to go ahead and let them know how dissatisfied we are. And I feel, I think the three of us can kind of speak for ourselves on this, but I think we're probably all on the same mind here all of the points that are raised in that letter we're in agreement with in terms of what this is going to do to the community what the intention is what the pretty clear intention of this new policy is in terms of how it reflects into third-party creators and everything like that and a fear of and a general fear of what it could potentially do in destabilizing the TRPG community. We already talked about how a lot of the big players are already coming out with their own systems. It's going to fracture the community a little bit on that front. If you're putting out a Kickstarter and you're going to be looking at like designing something that's system agnostic, and then how do you go ahead and treat the fact that there are now going to be five or seven or 20 D20 systems out there that are all slightly different and all different, different kind of things? How do you acknowledge that? I think we we have some thoughts on that, but it's a it's going to be a an interesting an interesting road to see how that shakes down, especially for a company that's looking to go ahead and move into more content creation. We're watching this very carefully to kind of see what's going on here. But I don't know, gentlemen, what are your thoughts on? I know that we've talked a lot about the letter, but in terms of the actual content behind OpenD and where you want that to go and how you want that to be seen. So I really like the idea of people raising their voices, and I really like the idea of people banding together and saying, "Hey, we don't think this is fair." and trying to make a difference. So overall, personally, I support the concept of what Open D&D is doing, and I really like the intention behind it. I object a little bit to some of mm-hmm. their language. I mean, it, their thesis statement, the opening line in the letter is, Wizards of the Coast wants to dismantle the tabletop industry. I don't think that statement's accurate at all. But the breakdown of what the open gaming right. license could mean for the community and the facts that they have in the letter are all very true. It's written in an inflammatory fashion that I think goes yep. a little bit too far. But for the most part, I can't disagree with anything in it. Yep. I would concur. And so talking about it personally as Lee Winika, not as Tabletop Journeys, though I don't think I'm far off of my co-host at all. The individual points raised within that letter I stand behind fully 100%. Those individual points, as far as why this is bad, are the same points that Josh just raised. And we went through all of those. There's six primary points with some subheadings under uh, under a few of them, right? Yeah. Uh, those are big issues. There's actually more in the OGL, but those are the issues that make this a bad thing for the community, a bad thing for third-party creators, a bad thing for Tabletop Journeys, and a bad thing for Lee Wanika, right? So there's a lot of bad within this. That said, <laughs> there is some inflammatory language within the letter. I absolutely understand the reservation on the part of others who have read this and said, 
I don't know if that language was necessary or the best, but in the past couple of years, I'm going to give a little shout out to my father here. I've listened to some of his speeches. He's a politician in another country and his thoughts and his musings about his younger years and his beliefs and what he considers himself to be. And he considers himself to be a revolutionary. He doesn't want to be known as a politician. He doesn't want to be known as a statesman. He wants to be known as a revolutionary because he sees injustices in the world and he wants to bring change and he wants to make that happen. And I am finding myself more and more in that vein, though I can logically recognize it as being inflammatory. I individually don't necessarily have a problem with it because I don't think it crosses that line for me. I think it says some things that are very possible, whether or not, I think anytime you speak to somebody's intent, you're guessing anyway. So to me, that's, a non-issue, right? I don't know or care what Wizards of the Coasts, what Hasbro's intent is for this community. What I know is what they're doing is bad for this community. And if I need, and if my voice needs to shout to make them hear me, then I'm absolutely okay with shouting. The fact that I want to shout with thousands of other folks, other content creators, hopefully other players, and certainly other DMs who are out there, you know, for every player who's out there trying to find a a game table to go to and there aren't a lot of game tables in their area. So they're online doing a pay for trying to find a a DM for 10 bucks for a session or what have you, or those who who live in New York city who are going to a number of sites to have DMS go to local shops to run games for their crews because they need DMS because there are less DMS than there are tables that need them. Those things could be in jeopardy depending on how this is interpreted legally. And when all these cases get decided. Yeah, uh, the whole pay, the whole paid DM thing. Just to go ahead and add on that, legal experts have weighed in. OGL one point one by law will forbid paid DMs. So if you are a gaming store who hires a DM to come in and run a special event in your store, that's you no longer yeah. permitted. Think about they can't run D and D games. Think about all of those websites that offer. Paid DM services. Some of them that I've actually investigated that I, if I had the bear, the bandwidth to do, I would have already signed on for. Professional DMing will go away unless Watsy chooses to have its own service. I don't have a problem with shouting out really loud today. Yeah, it was um, oh, yeah. I recognize the tone can be a bit inflammatory, but I'm absolutely okay with it. And that's just me as an individual. But again, like my co-host, so- I fully support the individual points brought out, and that's my take. I agree with you 100% Lee in terms of wanting to shout out with everybody. Just to be clear, the reason that I find I'm nitpicky about language is because I'm a writer and I think words are important. I think how you said something, hey, say something is almost as important, if not more important than how you say it. That's part of the reason why our society keeps tearing it apart in meme wars, because they take a situation and they boil it down to the most simple skewed version and they put it out as an inflammatory statement, daring the other side to come back, right? So if as a society, we can't get away from going straight to that kind of language when we're mad, we're never going to be able to solve our problems. And that's why I object to the language. Not because there's anything in here that's wrong. I agree 100% that Open D&D is saying the right thing and that we need to shout together and we need to be loud. I just want, I would rather that we operated with civil language and facts as opposed to unfounded inflammatory statements like Wizards of the Coast wants to dismantle the gaming community. You know what I'm saying? That's my only issue with it. 
Yeah. Fair enough. All right. Let's try to bring this to a head. And I want to invite invite both of my co-hosts here to go around a little bit and let me know where you think we both as tabletop journeys are now and where you think this is going to wind up. Can you put our little, put our prognostication hats on a little bit and see where we think this is going to wind up and what your thoughts are on how this is going to, to impact us. I don't know who wants to start. Leonika, why don't you go first? Some version of 1.1 is going to happen. I think depending on how loud the shout outs are, and what the declarations from the big companies, and I mentioned them by name, so I won't re-mention them now, but the what the big companies do may alter what happens. Because if they don't, if Wizards is not able to break bread with the two or three of the big companies, they're going to have a big problem with this OGL because one of those three companies is going to either get something that many people will go to or all three of them will band together and put something together that everybody will go to. I hope – that the latter is what happens. I hope that there is one system that comes out that combines MCDM, Cobalt Press, Paizo, Delta Green, Evil Hat, and Matt Mercer's group. I hope that they all get together, sit in some big collective boardroom and figure out a way and say, let's come up with a, let's hire somebody together to build a game system that is non-OGL based that we can all build our individual properties around so that the community has one place for all of us. Those companies have worked together and in concert at various times and have shared people. They have shared the use of various YouTubers, the Dungeon Dudes, Nerdarchy, Ted from Nerd Immersion has worked with Cobalt Press for years. And I think that is the perfect scenario. Do I think that's the reality that's going to happen? Probably not. That's my fervent wish. The reality is I think we're going to get two or three systems for the next four or five years that won't, none of them will come out until 2024, 2025 anyway. And then it'll in about five years after that, only one of those systems is really going to survive. But at least if what they say on paper today is true, each of those systems will have an OGL. If the system doesn't work, those people will be able to port over to whatever does work. So I think we'll end up with an alternative, but it's going to be a long time to get to that alternative. In the interim, there's a lot of small publishing houses that are going to struggle. There's people that are going to lose their jobs over this. There's people that are going to have to change their direction. I know they're depending on how the YouTube content issues goes, there are people that are going to lose jobs. The dungeon coach was speaking about the fact he just I listened to his I watched his video 2 days ago and he was talking about the fact he quit his day job, full-time job earlier this year because he was finally at the point, the level where he could support his business fully. He has hired, he has a team, he has people he feeds through, through this project and this could alter what he's able to do. There are people who were about to make that decision that now can't. There are people who just made that decision that are now looking at it saying, oh crap, I made a bad decision. The people um, that are far removed from that decision, they're probably going to navigate this okay, either a big delay or a softening, but they'll make it through. It's the people that are right on the edge of that decision or making it that are really going to struggle. And I just pray for the absolute best for those folks. This is going to shake out with some challenges. I just want the community to stick together, recognize that whatever game systems we go to, it's all role-playing. Try as many all and all systems as you possibly can. Have fun. Use them all. Find the one that yep. fits the games that you want to run at your table and support them. Support as many yep. small party and third party creators as you possibly can. And uh, let your money do the talking. 
let your money do the talking. Okay. Buy the things that you're going to use. Buy the things from the people that manage your businesses in ways that you would be willing to support. All right, Mr. Myers. I love the idea that you put out, Lee Wanika, that they'll all combine and create one system. I've been thinking similar thoughts. We could even go one step further and hashtag call your boys, name it for them. They should call it the Open Gaming Confederation, <laughs> either two, right? Either of the two. Right. And they could put it out that way. But I don't think you're wrong. I don't think, unfortunately, that's going to happen. I think we're going to get a bunch of fractured systems. But I'm also going to say, will it be the end of the tabletop community? Definitely not. Will it be rough for the next couple of years? Very possibly. But look at the huge, yeah. huge amount of indie games coming out. Look at the game systems coming out from Powered by the Apocalypse, but from Lumen and from a lot of other rules light systems and the, the, that trend in the way that the games are going. There's nothing that says we couldn't if this goes through and we find that we're struggling to be able to meet the requirements for Watsi's 5e content tent. There's nothing that says most of the types of stories we could tell couldn't be told in Savage Worlds or one of the other systems out there if we have to go right. that far. And on the upside, we're already in a good position to do that. So I'm thankful that our business model is flexible enough that while our current project and a lot of our current, our future projects that we already have work partially completed on could seriously be impacted by this, that we are still in a position to be flexible enough to shift our direction as we need to. And that we spent this past year kind of getting away from our first year, we were tabletop journeys does D&D because that's what we knew the most of and that's what the largest market share was. But in our second year, last year, we really worked hard on branching out into other games and making it tabletop journeys covers tabletop gaming with a solid D&D focus. If we have to go a step further, D&D will never be out of our programming because we have too many fans that love it and we still like the game, even if we don't like the company. I can't say never, but I doubt that D&D will ever fully fall out of our programming. However, we have right. the ability to shift and cover. We could switch to covering a new game every month to a new game every three months. There are so many different directions that we can go yep. for our fans that we should be able to, no matter how this shakes out, continue to put out a great program for y'all. And it just might change the way that we publish a little bit in the future. Yep. Yeah, I... First of all, I'm really glad that both of you went first because you said all the things that I wanted to go ahead and say and much more eloquently than I could, so that's all great. I will just glom onto your last point in particular, Glenn, that's saying that we may change some of the things that we do going forward, but I don't think that we're going to have to change as much as, as we feared originally because we are crafty people and we, can, we have kind of a plan in place about how to go ahead and attack this. I do think that you are right. It's going to be a long few years before this kind of shakes out. And we see, like I said, it's kind of like the Betamax VHS thing. There's going to be some, some questions about which horse is going to win for a little bit. And, and I also think that you're right that one of our focuses for this year, and we haven't said a ton about it, but you know, one of our focuses for this year is definitely to go ahead and be talking about more independent systems to be bringing more games and systems that maybe you haven't heard about fresh games from kickstarter fresh creators that are doing awesome we want to continue bringing you interviews with awesome people that are doing awesome things in the space regardless of the platform that they're using i definitely think there's going to be a lot of kind of chaos and everything for the next few years but i really like where i really like the work that that we are have been able to do so far and plan on continuing doing going forward and i think it's um, we're all on the same page of we'll have to see how it shakes out but while well, else fails though we're not yep necessarily as scared to back off some on our support of Watsi's product if we have to, because there are plenty of other products out there. 
So the first year, we did not talk about every Watsy product that came out last year intentionally. Yeah, absolutely. We did a lot with other games. The plan is to do a lot more with other games this year. We actually already have. We'll do more on the scheduling in future episodes, but we actually already have some interviews lined up with some other games, looking at other game systems, not as well as the indie games, but as also larger companies. We're in talks with other game systems that are major game systems that are sold that you find their books and their six-year-old game systems and longer international companies that do games that are in your stores right now. And so more on that later. More on the future of the various games that we're going to cover, but look to having formats that'll be like, we're going to pick a new game system and we'll take you from start to finish because these are not games that everybody's familiar with. So we can do things like talk about, spend an episode on character creation and setup of the game and then get some actual plays on those game systems. And with luck, we might even get some of the creators on some of those games to to visit with us and Always uh, a good run, time. run some games. Those conversations are being held currently. Hey, actually, they have been since before December 21st. Oddly, we are at Tabletop Journeys better positioned than we would have thought. While there are some immediate concerns and timing concerns, we are going to be okay and the gaming community is going to be okay. As long as we are kind to each other, kind to ourselves, and are out there at our tables trying to have fun, we're going to get through this. There is no single game system that is this community. This community is this community. Stay tuned. Twitter, Facebook. We will definitely be start doing some polls to get an idea of some of the alternate game systems that you're interested in. So if there's a game system that you've heard of that you want to hear more of that is a non-OGL game system, we'd like to know what those are so we can shift our focus to bringing some of those to the channel. So I've started some of the work on that, and I'll be putting up some polls in the next week to steer direction so we can start getting booking some content for for next year on some of those games. So we know where to start, but we're going to be looking for what the community wants, what our audience wants, where you want to go. So if there's a game out there that's non-OGL that you really – that you haven't seen on this show before and you want a full-on not just the ap but like how do you build a character together an episode on the game setup and the rules and how that works let us know comment down below comment on the facebook group tweet us let us know if you're a content creator and you've heard this and you're like hey i've got something i think your audience would like get hold of us make sure you let us know so we can start featuring you we want to support the gaming community, not the Dungeons and Dragons community. We want to support the gaming community. With that, gentlemen, we have said our piece on this. And yeah, let's sit back with some popcorn and watch what happens. So I'm anxious to see what happens next. So next week, we have our long-recorded and much-anticipated interview with Colby, DM hagiologist, and talking about some of the awesome things that he's doing out there. That was a pre-OGL going that shit crazy conversation but uh, but it's a fantastic interview colby is a great great conversation he's been doing some wonderful things out there so really looking forward to that and we'll be continuing on wrapping up our veil of the void reforged actual play episode four airs on this coming tuesday on the 17th yeah good time as always uh, that's been a really fun really fun actual play to go through and listen to again that was a really fun yeah, right. session it's a really great system so it, has. Uh, it was a lot of to, to wrapping that up so as it was a great time <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Appreciate seeing you as always. It's been a long time. We should uh, we should do this again soon. Maybe uh, Thursday when uh, we yeah, bring our friends from the Rainbow Dice Club in to go ahead and talk with them. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, gentlemen. Thanks again as always. Thank you everybody out there for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time. Have a good night, everybody. Have a good night. Later.
Thank you for joining us. This has been Tabletop Journeys. We would love to hear your feedback on our show today. Join us at www.ttjourneys.com where you can subscribe to the blog to leave comments and see all the content that we publish beyond the podcast. You can also stay in touch by subscribing to our Twitter, at TT Journeys, by joining our Facebook group, Tabletop Journeys, or by sending an email directly to podcast at ttjourneys.com. And remember, if you want early access to all of our episodes, a chance to drop dice with your favorite hosts, and maybe even appear in one of our actual plays, you can join our Patreon to help support the show at patreon.com forward slash ttjourneys. If you're listening to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Podchaser, Spotify, or Audible, we would appreciate it if you would like and subscribe to the podcast on that platform. Full episodes come out every week on Saturdays, and every Tuesday features our actual play episodes. Thank you for listening and for being a part of our growing community. And in the words of another traveler along our path, we bid you shade and sweet water.